I want to start off today by blessing you with a scripture that blessed me all my life. In fact, this scripture I actually pray as a prayer back to God. And that is when we come to the Word of God that this scripture is so applicable to our lives. And we find the scripture in Psalm 119 and from verse 17. The psalmist write, Deal bountifully. Now the word bountifully there means generously or abundantly. He, he, he talks to God. It's for me a prayer. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Why? Why is the psalmist praying that? Why does he want the generosity of God, the abundantness of God? For two things, so that he, he may live and keep God's word. Now, this is what you can pray back to God. You can, in your prayer time, speak to God and, and speak the scripture verses back to him by, by saying, Lord, thank you for your abundant mercies. There's so many things we can be thankful for. Why do we get these things? So that we may live and so that we may keep his word. But the verse that stands out for me is the next verse. It is verse 18. And you will in fact find this verse on your opening with your videos. It's there on the front page. And this verse says, Open my eyes that I may see the wondrous things from your law. And again, my friend, you can use the scripture verse and pray back to God and say, Lord, open up my eyes. Now, this opening up of the eyes is not your natural eyes. It's not open up my eyes so that I can pick up the Bible and see the scriptures in the Bible. This is more than that. This is opening up your spiritual eyes, your understanding of the scriptures. So he says this. He says, open my eyes. Why? Why open up my eyes? That I may see the wondrous things from your law. And let me tell you, and we're going to see that today, there is so many wonderful things in the Word of God. And you see, for us, it's obscure. We can't see it right now. It is the Latin word, Deus obscanditos. It's obscured from our vision. But it's there, and it's wonderful, and it's powerful, because it's the Word of God. Now, the psalmist say, open up my eyes, the Deus obscanditos, and reveal to me, this is Dios Revelatos, reveal to me the wondrous things from your law. Now, if he talks in the Old Testament about the law, uh, that is our Bible today. And all of these laws and statutes and commandments is in the Word of God. Now, it is fulfilled by Jesus Christ. In Him it's fulfilled. And this is why we pray this back to the Lord. My prayer to you this morning is that the Lord may open up your eyes as He's opening up my eyes so that today we might see the wondrous things of the Word of God. Now we're going to continue today and the theme for today is Jesus was going before them. You will see how this theme is going to make more sense in the passage that we're going to read as we follow through the Gospel of Mark. But you will also see how this theme will apply to your and my life. Jesus was going before them. But before we get to the narrative and the scripture and continue on in Mark, I just want to give you another scripture verse and prove to you something in the Word of God. You see, 
I believe every single word in the Bible. I believe that every single word in the Bible has got power. And the way that it's been constructed and put together, which makes up the canon and today the Holy Scriptures, this is inspired by God. We oftentimes look at the words that people say, the words of Jesus, the words of Paul, but we seldom look at the actions. Now, absolutely, the words that these people say gives us the knowledge and the understanding and the wisdom. But then it goes one step further. It goes into our actions. Now, somebody once said famously, action speaks louder than words. And this is what I want to prove to you today. As we continue walking with Jesus along this way back to Jerusalem, you remember he came down the Mount of Configuration or Transfiguration and, and there's a lot of things that happened along the way. And we looked at what Jesus was saying to his disciples and we listened intentively. But here is a scripture verse for you which I'm going to prove. And that is 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. The word of the Lord says all scripture. Now what does the word all mean? Well, it means all scripture. It means from Genesis 1 verse 1 to the last verse in Revelation. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. The word there for inspiration means to it's breathed by God. It's the breath of God. As, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, why is why did God give us the word? Why did he breathe the word? Why do we have our Bible? Why do we have the canon of scripture? It's called the Holy Scriptures, the sacred scriptures. Why do we have that today? Why do we have to read our Bible? Why do we have to study our Bible? Well, he, he continues there. He says that the man of God, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I can preach about this verse a whole sermon because every good work is works after the cross, after you got saved. And James talks about that in, in, in the book of James. But it's also the work that you do in society, wherever you go, as a child of God, that the scripture of God impacted your life so much that wherever you go, whatever work you do, whether you work for a company, whether you work for yourself, whether you work for the government, every work that you do, that you will be thoroughly equipped to not only do that work, but also do the work of God. Now, I'm going to prove the scripture to you that all scripture is given by inspiration. So, as we continue with Jesus now in Mark, reading through the Gospel of Mark, line by line, verse by verse, step by step, precept upon precept and line upon line. We open up in Mark chapter 10, verse 32, and we read the following. Now, I want you to focus now on the actions of the disciples. We're just going to look at actions today and then we're going to complete the chapter, okay? In Mark chapter 10 verse 32, now they were on the road, so they were in motion, 
going up to Jerusalem. We know that Jesus has got to go back to Jerusalem and he, he already said to them why he's going back to Jerusalem. But now we find Mark writing this down. Now they were on the road going up to Jerusalem and Jesus was going before them. Now there is our theme and that is going to encourage you as it were meant to encourage the disciples that day. Jesus was going before them and they were amazed. No words spoken. We look at the body language. They were amazed. And I'm going to touch on the point why they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. There's two things that stands out now. Remember all scripture is given uh, as an inspiration by God. There's two things that stand out to me. Body language. First of all, the amazement. Secondly, they were afraid. Now, I've observed people a lot in my life, and you can see when people are amazed. Then I find and I look for reasons why they're amazed. But you can also see in body language when people are afraid. Then you look at reasons why they're afraid. Now, I want to suggest to you two reasons why I believe, first of all, as we look at why they were afraid, I want to suggest two reasons for you as we read it there. As they followed him, he was walking in front of them back to Jerusalem. They were afraid. Now, obviously, they were afraid because they knew that going back to Jerusalem is going to cause pain. Jesus already alerted to the fact that he's going to be killed. We'll come to that in a few minutes. But they know the last time they were in Jerusalem wasn't such a good experience. And there is trouble in Jerusalem. So as they followed him, they were afraid. Now I want to suggest these two reasons why I think they were afraid and why a lot of people today, and maybe some of you listening to me, uh, you might have the same fear. Now, first of all, the word here for afraid comes from the Greek word phobio. And that's where we find our English words phobias from. You know, a phobia for spiders or a phobia for heights or xenophobia, which is a, a phobia for people, they say these days. But it's also afraid of going back to something in your past. Now, two reasons. First of all, I believe they were afraid of the unknown. Think about that. The unknown. That's the first thing. They don't know what was going to happen in Jerusalem. They don't know what was going to happen tomorrow. And, and uncertainty is part of our human experience. We have uncertainty every day of our lives. And the fact of the matter is, is how you deal with that uncertainty that determines your emotional state. These men, they didn't know what was going to happen in Jerusalem, what was going to happen tomorrow. And maybe you sitting here, you listening to my voice, and you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. In, and it brings that uncertainty. Now, some people thrive in this. You look at them and you go, I just can't get it. The uncertainty is all around everybody, but some people thrive whilst other people are paralyzed with fear. And we are sitting in a lockdown now, and some people that I talk to, they, there's some people who's generally afraid of what's lying ahead of us. They don't know what this 
COVID virus is going to do to us. Now, we're already eight months, 10 months into this virus. I could remember when this thing happened. People were absolutely petrified. Is this going to be the new Spanish flu? Are we going to die? You know, there were people coming out that said half of the population of the world can die out. And people literally were walking around with fear in their eyes. And that fear was the fear of the unknown, not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. Now we're sitting here eight months later, we know a little bit more information. And here is a fact for you. If you want to look and, and get rid of the sphere of the unknown, you get more information. You know, let me give you an example. If you move into a new city and you're, you've got a fear of the unknown of the city, then you start, you know, going to Google and you read up about the city. You read about, about the people, the culture, and that sort of, that sort of give you comfort that it's not so bad. Now, eight months later, we've got a lot more information about COVID, but still there are people who's afraid of the unknown. You know, what will happen to people? What will happen to my children? This is a terrible, terrible fear, the fear of the unknown. And you see, there is two things that causes this. The first thing that causes the fear of the unknown is a lack of predictability. A lot of people can't predict what's going to happen in the future. Now, we know and we see this and it's absolutely wrong and it's blasphemy before God that people go to fortune tellers trying to find out what is in the future. And the only reason they go to fortune tellers is because they want, they're afraid. They're afraid of the future. And the, the, the cause of this is, you know, people want to predict. They want to know what I'm going to do when this happens. The second thing that happens or that causes this is a lack of control. You see, people want to control their own lives. And if you lose the lack of control, and if you lose the, the lack of predictability, then that pushes you into the fear of the unknown. And, and look at these disciples. They're on the road back to Jerusalem. They can't predict what's going to happen in Jerusalem. They... They don't know. They've lost control over that part of it. And now we read that as they follow Jesus, they are afraid. So that brings me to the second fear that I believe they would have had. First is the fear of the unknown. But the second one is the fear of the known. Is the fear of the things that they know. And there is a lot of people who's listening to me now, who's got a fear of the known. This is tapping into your past. This is tapping into an experience that you had in your past and you got hurt. And you know what a lot of people do? They build walls around them because they don't want to get hurt again. If they feel over their emotional body, they feel the scars of hurt, of people, of bullying, of a lot of things in the past. And that brings fear to them. So much fear that they will not let people, they won't bring their true self out and talk about these things. Until years later, and many people, many people die because they are so clutched up with this fear of the known that it's going to happen to them again, that they isolate themselves. They isolate themselves into a corner, and within that isolation, 
it gets worse. The only way that you can address fear is if you face your fear. And you see these men, they were following Jesus and they were afraid, I believe, because of the unknown. But I also believe that they were afraid of the known. They knew and they know that going back there, the Pharisees don't like Jesus. The Pharisees, the Sadducees and the scribes and the Herodians, they, they don't like Jesus. They want to get rid of him. And uh, because they are his disciples, his students, uh, Jesus said it himself. He says the, ma uh, the master is not above the students. This, if the master is going to be persecuted, the students will be persecuted. So with this knowledge with that, what they've got, they're going back to Jerusalem and, and they've lost predictability. They lost control over it. And fear is now in their hearts. So I believe these is the two things where where while they was walking with Jesus that they were afraid of. But there's a second thing that we read in this verses, and that is that they were amazed. You remember? As they were now going up to Jerusalem, Jesus was going before them, and they were amazed. Again, we look at the body language and I ask myself, why would they have been amazed? Certainly not something that he said at that point in time. Certainly it was not a teaching that he did at that time. All of that happened. It is whilst he walked now in front of them back to Jerusalem. I can only put it down to one thing, and that is that Jesus was a great and is a great leader. Knowing the things that make them afraid, knowing all of those fears which manifest itself within them, here is a man, God with us, the Son of Man, leading them back to Jerusalem. He is the point man. Let it be known. The Pharisees didn't come to Peter. They didn't come to James whilst Jesus was there. They came to Jesus. They came for Jesus. And knowing all of these fears, he was leading them. And this amazed them. You see... This is what a good leader do. He leads from the front. Not what we see some leaders of these days do. They will say to you, go and do that, but they won't do it themselves. They won't walk in front when there's fear. They will hype up their troops to go in front of them. A good leader is somebody, when he says to do something, he will be able to do it himself. Jesus is leading them. He's not pushing his disciples in front of them. And this amazed them. And this amazes me. Because Jesus is not just a good leader, my friend. He is the best leader that you can get. He's more than that. Not only does he lead us, but he protects his children. God is far and above all. There's a beautiful song which a beloved pastor of my sin, Pastor Werner, his name is above all. On Jesus' level, there is nobody. He's the leader, the only leader that this man will follow with everything in his life. But we find proof of that in the Bible. This is not just somebody who's on an ego trip. Jesus is not just on an ego trip. We find in Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 30, where the word of the Lord says, The Lord your God goes before you. 
He leads you. This was spoken to the nation of Israel in Egypt to give them encouragement, to encourage them. The Lord goes before you. He will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. He goes before you. How comfortable does that make you hearing me saying these words that God will lead you? Don't know where you are, but he will lead you. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8, when Joshua took over from Moses and the Lord, he is one who goes before you, Joshua. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Come on, take courage today. I urge you, brother, sister, some of you are sitting at me and you say, I'm fine, but there are lots of people who might hear my voice, you know, whilst it goes out in the podcast and it goes out on YouTube and it goes out onto platforms. I want you, wherever you hear my voice right now, know this, if you're a child of God, He led His disciples and He also is leading you. If this is the only thing you take out today, please take it out. Please take it out. Take comfort in that. You are not lost. He knows what's going on. Not only does He lead us, my dear friend, but He heads us in from the back. He protects us. Listen to the psalmist. That's Psalm 139 verse 5. You have hedged me behind and before. Hedge means protect me. So if you want to protect somebody, you go ahead of him to look for the danger and you go behind him to cut off the danger from behind. I'm, I'm a father and I remember many times when we went camping at dark, if you walk into a really, you know, between the bushes into a small way, it's dark. I don't send my children in there to see, oh, what's going to happen? Is there a lion jumping out? Is there a snake there? Oh, there's a snake. Oh, goodness, it was my child. That's good. No, no. As the father, I go in front to face all of the dangers before I bring my children and my wife through. God is that. He's going before and there he guides you. But here is, the, here is the good thing. What do we do when the Lord goes before us? What do we do? You know, I take it back to me and my children. What do, what do we do? If I go in front of them and I face the dangers and I look where the dangers is, what do I do as the child following my father? What do we do as we follow God? First of all, we trust him. You have to trust God. As my children... Trust me in front of them that I'll take care of the dangers so that they can come behind me and there's no danger anymore. You have to trust God that He will take care of your dangers. Proverbs chapter 3, uh, three verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Through this time of lockdown, of COVID, you know, I think in two years' time you're going to listen to these messages and you're going to say, wow, it looks so different from here vantage point but it says trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths what will he do he will direct your paths he leads us jesus went before them that amazed them it should amaze us what do we do we trust in him first of all as I go before my children, they lean, they trust on me that I will take care of it. They don't jump 
in front of me and then try to do it themselves. They trust and they follow. The second thing that you do whilst you trust God is you wait. You wait on Him. If I go in there ahead of my children again to take care of the dangers, they wait until I call for them. They wait until the dangers has all subsided because I've taken care of them. The same with the Father in heaven. As He go in front of you, as He go before you, you wait upon Him. And again, we listen to this in Psalm 27 verse 14. He says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, wait upon the Lord. But you see, the way you wait on the Lord is you pray and you read your Bible. And that's how he speaks to you. Wait on him. Isaiah 64 verse 4, I put this one in because I absolutely love this verse. I live by this verse. He says, For since the beginning of the world men have not heard nor perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen any God beside you. Any God beside you. Now, what happens now with this God that no eye has perceived, no ear has heard? What happens here? Here it says it to you, Who acts for the one who waits upon him? God's going to leave you. Listen to me. He's going to leave you to your own devices, to fight your own fight, to struggle your own struggle until you come to Him and say, Lord, I've got no strength anymore. He's going to say, that's good. Now I can take over. So two things we do when the Lord leads us. First of all, we trust in God. Secondly, we wait upon the Lord. And what is the third thing? We obey His voice. Remember those three things. Remember, trust, wait, obey. Trust that God knows better than you. Wait that He do His work and then obey. Obey Him. Jeremiah chapter 7 verse 23 but this is what I command them saying obey my voice and I will be your God and you will be my people and you will walk in all the way which I command you that it may be well with you let it be known if you walk with God wants you to walk it will be well with you this is not prosperity preaching this is not self-help uplifting you know trying to hype you up no 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 this is just straightforward the word of God he says obey my voice and I will be your God and you will be my people and I, and you will walk all the way I command you. It will be well if you people get in trouble when they veer off the, the, the road of God. And they make their own decisions and they follow them. That's when they get in trouble. That's when they cry out to God. Luke eleven twenty eight. Jesus said it himself when a lady came to him and said, Blessed is the womb that carried you. He could have stood there with pride and say, Yeah, my mother. No. What did he say? Luke eleven twenty eight, 28, but he said, more than that, more than the blessing of the womb that carried me, or, the, or, or more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. There's a blessing in obeying God's word. So the first thing that I've proved to you today is that all scripture is given by inspiration. So nothing is even said here. We just looked at one, in fact, half of the verse. Two factors that I picked out for you. They were amazed and they were afraid. 
They were afraid because of the unknown, the fear of the unknown. They couldn't predict it, they couldn't control it, and the fear of the known, the history, the memories, the fear of that. And then we see that Jesus led them. No word spoken. He, he took action. He didn't say, oh, one day I'm going to lead you, or, you know, you should go up to Jerusalem and I'll meet you there. No, no. He took action and he walked in front of them. And we see what we need to do. We need to trust, wait, and obey. Now let's continue with the narrative now. It says there, Then he took the twelve aside again and began to tell them the things that would happen to them. I find this absolutely fascinating. Absolutely. Again, no words were said. They didn't tell Jesus why they were afraid. As I have explained to you now, the emotions which they could have been seen in their bodies, in their body language, I absolutely believe Jesus saw that. As he was leading them, looking back, I believe he could see in them the amazement. But I could also believe that he saw in them the fright, the, the, the fear. Then he took them aside and, and he would then tell them what was going to happen to them. What was going to happen to them? Verse 33, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. Hello? Jesus, we know that. This is in fact one of the things that makes us afraid. And he, he repeat, we're going to Jerusalem. This is great for me because he says, nothing's going to deter him. I'm not going to stop in Galilee, in, in going back to Nazareth. I'm not going to Bethlehem. I'm not going, I'm going to Jerusalem. Okay, my mind's made up. We all be going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priest. He uses the title of him on the earth. The Son of God became the Son of Man who reaches out from the earth to heaven, our helper, our high priest. He uses that title. He says the Son of Man will be betrayed to, uh, betrayed to the chief priest, to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. Now, Jesus already said this to them in Mark chapter 8, verse 31, but he adds something extra here, which is a massive insult. I don't know if you've picked it up, but here he says he will be condemned by his own, by the chief priest, by the Jews. But here is something that happens. He's going to be handed over to the Gentiles. And, and again, I say this was an insult back in the days. He, he's a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi. And the Jews back in the day believed that Gentiles were unclean. Even so, if you touch a Gentile, that they would go home and wash themselves, cleanse themselves. And here is a rabbi, I would say the most prominent rabbi in the whole history of all of their rabbis. It's going to be handed over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and scorch him and spat upon him and kill him. Spat coming out of that unclean Gentile upon him. And the third day he will rise again. Now I find this absolutely fascinating, like I said. Here we find Jesus who's going to be handed over to them. Every single time Jesus speaks about him being killed, he talks about life. Because life comes after death. Spiritual birth, when you get born again, life comes after death. You have to die in yourself before you can live. This happens at the cross. He's on his way back to Jerusalem to the cross. And that points for us the way. 
death then life every time jesus in the gospel speaks about himself who's going to be killed after that he brings it up and in third day he will rise again that is so comforting not only is he going in front of them to jerusalem he's going in front of them to the grave to open up the way for us to have life through death so this is so wonderful again i come back to your theme jesus was going before them before them and i hope and i pray that the lord will bless you with those words today because he is going before you and he's going before me take courage in that take courage in that and today take that courage that he's the one who cares for you he's got you in the in the palm of his hand and he protects you he goes before you i don't know what's going to happen tomorrow but i don't have to fear because i trust and i wait and i obey the lord may the lord bless you let's pray heavenly father i thank you so much that you guide us you lead us jesus went before these men to jerusalem he saw the fear of them in them and then he addressed that and father thank you and i pray for my brothers and sisters and dear friends who listen that father if any one of them fear that they may put that trust in you father it's not a blind trust it's a trusting trust faith and i pray this in jesus name amen